You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. Hey, Joe's Nation. Steven here, and welcome to episode 14 of Sustainable Joe's 2084. I don't know what part of the world you're in, but up here in Canada, fall has officially arrived, and it's actually my favorite season. That being said, I am so excited to share this episode with you today. This is part two of our Chasing Coral episode. If you've yet to see the documentary Chasing Coral, it's on Netflix. The team has been doing absolutely amazing things from when we recorded up here at the Hot Docs Film Festival in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, to Sundance, to the the United Nations in New York. If you haven't listened to part one of our Chasing Coral podcast, I highly recommend you give it a listen. I had the casting crew in my dining room and it was just a really delightful conversation. For those of you who have listened to part one, um, in part two, we kind of dive into, you know, how to better communicate science, how to reframe issues, both environmental and social, the unsung heroes in the climate crisis, uh, and, and how to get students involved in what moving forward looks like. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to draw your attention to the fact that our Indiegogo campaign has a couple days left. If you've yet to get your cards for this holiday season, we've made, in my opinion, the world's most sustainable card. Each card plants two trees. We've done the research. All you have to do is make the choice. We really want to empower you to understand the context behind making products and services. What does it take from our environment and our society? And ironically, we actually touch on that, the impact of all of our actions in today's podcast. You can find a link to the Indiegogo campaign in our show notes. I also want to send a shout out to Johnny of Wolf Saga because Johnny lets us use his music in the podcast. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode where we will play a track in full. The track this week is called Auburn Nights and I asked Johnny what the track was about. And Johnny told me, you know, it's about finding real attributes in somebody instead of just looking at the the superficial things on the surface. I also want to give a quick shout out and thank you to the Ivy School of Business. We had a screening of our documentary there last night. Had a great time. Thank you for spreading the word about sustainable development. Thank you for taking action and thank you for joining the conversation. As always, I want to say thank you to our patrons. You make this project happen. If you haven't joined Joe's Nation yet, I invite you. You can find the link to our Patreon campaign and page at sustainablejoes.com. A couple dollars a month really goes a long way. Uh, Think of it like a magazine subscription. But a magazine subscription, that makes the world a better place. As I've done for the last couple weeks, I want to give a, a shout out to one of our supporters. And in this episode, I want to especially thank you, Ian Rifkin. My monologue is now over. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. You know, whether whether it's the glaciologists that we met with Chasing Ice or the coral reef um, biologists on this project, they weren't trying to be climate activists when they started their careers 30 or 40 years ago. They just fell in love with glaciers or fell in love with corals or the ocean. And in some ways, the fact that this film exists is a testament to the scientific process in that 
they made really good predictions. If you can predict something, that's a good indicator that the science is right. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow, creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it today. protect and preserve nature, but really this comes down to having a, a stable, healthy planet for humanity to continue on. Yeah. Life on the earth is going to be fine. Yeah, or the yeah. earth is going to be fine. The earth will be fine, <laughs> and just how we fit into it is the question. Yeah, and with the kids mm -hmm. in particular, was this something that we've kind of been chatting about here and there throughout the week is... Um, we a lot of the times i think that this is always framed as you know these are environmental issues um and certainly they are um yeah wild. being green's important taking yeah for care sure of the environmental, important. but especially with the kids now you know this is a generation of kids even my generation and their generation and it's um it's never framed as a social issue um and we touched at this at the beginning these things are going to start cultivating um social unrest in countries where these things are happening and it's going to cause more for us um down the line indirectly or directly that's i think a way that we need to start framing this especially with our youth of hey hey these things are happening and you're going to deal with it whether or not you realize that now um this is going to be your job like this is going to be on you um and it's going to affect the way you live your life it's going to affect the way that we function as a community in so many parts of the world that, as a species that it might yeah it might be how we need to kind of change the way we frame things because it's not just an environmental issue obviously i love the ecology i love the biology that's no what i resonate no. with no. <laughs> but and i'm not the biggest people person in the world probably oh you're amazing but i think that if we start framing this as more of a people person issue of saying look man these things are happening and it's going to happen to you particularly with like high schoolers let's start now like raise your voice um you need to feel empowered that you know these things and you might be different from your parents generation raise your voice let's let's start this fight now don't wait too long yeah giddy up cowboy yeah and um uh, we we certainly can be can sound very depressing about this issue because a lot of the the projections are very depressing um but I think most of our team, like there's still a lot of optimism. I am actually quite honestly, very hopeful and optimistic about because. the issue um, because of the technology. Like that, that is the only reason why I feel as optimistic as I do is that um, we're seeing such rapid changes to clean energy and sustainable energy. Like I, I think here's the thing we, we know, and we have all the solutions that we need to solve this problem already. Like the existing technology can solve this problem many times over. It's a matter of implementation. It's a matter of um, political will. It's a matter of uh, public desire for those solutions to be more available. And that's, that's just shifting hearts and minds, that's shifting sentiments. That's very, very doable. It takes a lot of work. We still have a lot of work to do to go well, there. Political and social. And well. Exactly, exactly. But because the technology exists, I mean, I'm very encouraged. If we were talking about trying to get off of a, a system with no alternative, then it's like, okay, well, we're fine. This is, we're, we're destined for this, you know, fate, wherever that goes. But I think it's because we know that there is a better, th a better um, resource available to us 
It's like we human civilization used to be powered off of lumber and trees, and then we found whales. And whales were this great discovery, and we have this oil and this blubber, and we can use that. And then we found, you know, stuff buried deep in the ground that we could mine and use, and that made life, again, many, many times better. And then whales became this antiquated, terrible, like, who wants to go out whaling for a whole year to collect a bunch of oil? And then coal was the big thing, and then oil and natural gas. And now we've moved completely straight to the sun. Like, the sun created all of that stuff anyway. And now we're going straight to the source and we can get all the unlimited energy we could possibly want to need from that. And we don't need these like very dirty, literally dirty sources and old. It's just like antiquated. It's so antiquated. antiquated. Like we're going to look back at coal and be like, well, why did we do that for so long? I I, I hope that that is our future. Um, Question for each of you. Do you have something you want to say, Larissa? No, I was just going to say that because Richard isn't here, I think... I think he brings a sense of optimism um, from his kind of advertising background. He, he really causes the great transformation. And I think he really believes that, that like Jeff, all of the technology is here for us. And um, it is about shifting our perspective. And I think for us, a lot of the times climate change can feel like we've, we've gotten to a party and the party's over and it's just time to clean up. Um, and that's like not, nobody wants to go to a party and just clean up. Um, but actually, if we can flip the way that we think about, about it. That's, then <laughs> that's my favorite part of a right? party, frankly. Like, I love mopping. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this isn't a party that's over. This is just the beginning. Um, and that these new technologies are really exciting. And they create opportunities for jobs that, you know, in 10 years ago, 20 years ago, weren't available totally. to people graduating from schools. Or, um, you know, I think there there is so much optimism in our team. And I think it's, it's founded on something that actually is real and that change is going to happen. It's just about how fast can we get there? Yeah. I mean, like solar last year in 2016, you know, okay. So in 2016, we lost 22% of the Great Barrier Reef, but the solar industry also employed more people than oil, gas, and coal combined. I read something also like yesterday, and I don't know if this is true. So yeah, let's, let's, I was going to say, well, then in that case, it was a a number like 95% increase in um, solar installations in the United States last year. I mean, the uptake of renewable-based technology is exponentially growing. Mm-hmm. I will compliment you guys down down in America that your uptake for EVs, for electric vehicles, is mm-hmm. three times the rate that it is in Canada. Oh, wow. What? That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know. We've got a lot of people that want Teslas. Yeah. yeah. It's well, a I mean, cool it's, car it's, now. It's a That's beautiful a car. Yeah. And that goes back to the, the notion that Larissa was saying a second ago. Like, to change society, you have to throw a better party. And electric cars are providing a better party right now. And that's where people want to go. And, Love it. Yeah. Cleaner, greener, people, planet, profit. Faster, more fun. Yeah. And apparently an EV only has 18 moving parts. That, I've heard some, yeah, yeah, it's some ridiculously small number. Whereas an ICE, an internal combustion engine, has something like 2,800. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, there's no maintenance. Like you just have to change your tires when they wear out, and that's pretty much the extent of maintenance on an electric car. Absolutely. Uh, so everybody, we're recording this in May because that's when Hot Docs is. Meanwhile, we're going to release it in July because your film is getting released on Netflix yeah. this Friday. No, getting <laughs> <laughs> released. Uh, we're releasing July 14th. What do you hope happens between now and July 14th? We win the lottery. Wait, no. <laughs> Why? What would you do if you won the lottery? What would you do if you yeah. won the lottery? Protect. Well, that's a great question. I've never. 
I, I never liked the statistical odds of the lottery, so I've never yeah. ever played it. A friend um, of mine says it's it's just a, a tax on silly people. Yeah. No offense for those of you who play the lottery. You're um, probably not going to win, though. Uh, we have so much work that we're wanting to do and trying to do in terms of getting the film to audiences that wouldn't naturally see it. So it's awesome screening at places like Hot Docs and in Toronto where there's such a hungry appetite for documentaries and for, for nonfiction film and for stories like this. Um, but certainly in the, in the United States where we're based, uh, there are a lot of people who don't understand climate change in the same way. And I don't fault them for that. Like, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of confusing information out there. Um, I get where people are coming from. Um, but our hope is to show them this story and hopefully they question their stance a little bit more and wonder, you know, if you can see it in these images, maybe there's something, you know, a greater truth to be told there. So what we're really trying to focus on is how do we effectively at scale get the film in front of people that need to see it so that's that's really the core focus of our impact campaign who needs to see it um anybody who is on the fence about climate change is where we want to be looking um and those are harder audiences to get to usually um because if they're skeptical of climate change, why would they want to go see a film that is, you know, at face value about climate change? So they need somebody to convince them to tell them, you know, hey, you should consider seeing this film for these reasons um, and, and hear that message a, a few times to the point where, you know what, maybe I will watch this thing. And I think the thing that um, Jeff, as a director, brings to this film that is really exciting and the team has helped capture these incredible images. So, you know, even if you're not into the climate change and, and, and into science, um, this is a film about uh, adventures, about divers underwater. And I think there's something really exciting about that that um, allows it to be open. This is a family film. It's something that's um, just kind of a fun uh, adventure, hopefully a little comical at points. Um, you can laugh at us and our mistakes, but it's been it's been quite a big journey, and I think uh, for for anybody out there, uh, it's it's a film that offers so much um, that I think the story is just one that, regardless of where you stand, it's it's a beautiful film. Absolutely, uh, I mean it's stunning. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I, I cool. keep saying it; like the visual dynamic of it is just beautiful. Um, I, I hate calling it a documentary because people have this association or this assumption of, oh, documentaries are a bunch of talking heads and I'm going to, you know, it feels like work. It feels like homework or school. Learning. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to learn from a lecture. Yeah, it feels that's, that's the association. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and this is like what, we're, what we really try to do with the film, even more so than, than what we tried to do with Chasing Ice. But um, we really tried to frame it just as this crazy adventure that we got to go and that's what it was like we our team had this rare privilege to go on a ridiculous adventure around this planet to see parts of the planet that nobody gets to see places that people don't go to regularly um, only 0.1 percent of the world population goes scuba diving and then those people who go scuba diving look for the most beautiful pretty pristine places that's where they're normally taken so we were looking for a story that very few people normally are, are looking for so that was just at face value like we were looking for something that very few scientists actually go towards and hopefully it's an entertaining and engaging story yeah. No, no, hopefully about it. It, it is <laughs> an engaging story. Well, it is entertaining. Tried. And, it, and mm -hmm. it's, it's stunning. I, I'm just going to stick with my, my one and only <laughs> adjective. My mom runs an academy. She's going to hate the fact that like I've only used stunning. stunning. <laughs> hey, Joe's Nation. I want to take a minute to acknowledge a couple of our supporters. So please listen up. 
This episode of Sustainable Joe's 2084 is brought to you in part thanks to the support of Buns and Steam Whistle. Buns hosts our podcast for free and Steam Whistle gives us their delicious premium pilsner to sip on as we converse. So let's get to the technical copy. For those who don't know, Buns is an app for decluttering your life and finding stuff you love. Recently, Eli traded a bike light he no longer needed for three apples on Buns, quite literally a sweet trade. In the past, I also traded a six pack for two tickets to the Green Living Show, a friend of mine, Katie, traded a bath bomb for a bag the other day. Anyways, you too can try trading by visiting buns.com or get the app on your phone. At the end of the day, buns for trading. A big thank you also goes to Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner, from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown beer bottle. Quote unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. Lastly, our podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of our monthly patrons. If you believe this content is important and have the capacity to contribute, you can find all necessary links at sustainablejoes.com. That's Joes with an S because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes. Now back to the show. What advice would you give somebody mm-hmm. getting into this journey? And Larissa, you too. I mean, mm-hmm. like as a producer, like there, there's many different sides to filmmaking. Anybody who wanted to be yeah. a filmmaker? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no clear cut path, which is the first thing to sort of fully wrap your head around and embrace. Like anybody can invent that their own frustrating. way. There, it is frustrating for those who really want, uh, you know, somebody to hand them the, this, this is the 10 step program to be a documentary filmmaker. All right. But, um, you just go out and make stuff. Uh, there are so many, here's where I think there's a sweet spot. Um, there are so many scientists and experts who know stuff and they have a hard time communicating it to the public. Um, or maybe they have a hard time or maybe they just don't have a film team or they don't have this or that. I feel like any anybody who's looking for a story um, can find their local university and find a scientist who's got some piece of research that they're just sitting on, or maybe they published it and it's, it's worth a story, but hasn't been put out there in a big way. I mean, any, if you're a high school student, you can go to your local college, find an expert, do an interview, figure out how to tell their story, how to help the experts tell their stories. And nobody's stopping you from doing that. Like you go with your cell phone, learn how to edit, shoot a little thing and you can make a film, make a video that can go viral. All right. Just make stuff. Keep, keep, keep making stuff. And spread the word. Larissa. I'm going to steal chasing coral has two C's in it. So I'm going to go with curiosity and courage. Uh, Zach's curiosity, um, I think just is exemplary of what filmmaking is about. Um, there are so many stories and ideas and things that you can explore that just having an open mind, we didn't know where this story was going to go for a while. We thought we weren't going to capture the bleaching at all. Um, and I think there's something really exciting and special about this medium that allows you to just, um, keep filming, keep, you know, exploring the story, keep meeting people. There are so many different perspectives that it offers. Uh, and then I think the other piece of that is you have to have the courage to, to keep following that story wherever it goes. Um, sometimes, you know, you think films have a set path and you think you're going to have one outcome, but you end up pivoting or going down a different fork in the road. And I think for us, it, it's the courage of the team that we have with us and um, of the scientists and the, the characters that are in our film that really just keep going. And for me, that's the thing that gives me the most 
excitement and passion is that there's there's so much out there and this is just one film one story and I'm looking forward to seeing all of the other stories that come after this one based off of all of your knowledge what question do each of you wish I would ask you and what's the answer What's your favorite type of sushi? <laughs> no, we pretty much stopped. You know yeah. what? An avocado. Yes, yeah. My favorite question is actually almost answering the question that you get just asked them, but from my side of things. Um, and it has to do with what I think I've learned the most through this process um, as a scientist. And I've said this in a few Q&As. And if you had asked me about art, or filmmaking or anything, you know, a few years ago, um, I probably could have been put offish. Um, I don't have that talent. It's not, it never was an interest to me per se. Um, and what I've realized now is really what Jeff just said. Scientists can be the downfall of science is that we're not good at communicating and these things don't get to the public easily. Um, and if we could change that, this world's going to be a lot different. And, um, I think the best question I had was when we were at Earth Day and a young kid asked me, like, what's the best advice you could give to me um, as a young budding scientist or as a young budding artist? And that's collaboration. Um, you know, this doesn't happen without artists meeting scientists and sharing each other's ideas and basically finding that gap. Um, and, and filling that, it. Yeah. And that's something, you know, for me that. I learned really from these guys of just, Hey, this is a story that I knew was happening. Um, but for me, it's like, nobody's going to care about that. It's science. It's uh, you know, it's, uh, numbers and it's the coral reef and it's happening, but how do you tell a story? Um, so for me, it just comes down to, you know, if I could say anything to kids and anyone that's aspiring to do anything is collaborate. Um, and then have the courage, like Larissa said, yeah, to actually to, yeah, to put it together, to walk, to get out curiosity, there. Curiosity, collaboration, and courage. Might I add another one, contribution, because I think we all have a contribution to share. That being said, yeah. you know, <laughs> Lady Luck? Mm, it's a really good question. Um, I think for me, this process has shown me that... Um, there are so many people with unique talents um, and so many people with different perspectives. Uh, and I think that sometimes climate change to more seas can be divisive, um, as well as a number of other topics. But what I've seen is that this film brings people together. Um, and it kind of has the capacity to create conversations that transcend barriers. I'll keep going with the seas. Um, and, and, and for me, I think the thing that's most exciting about that is um, I've seen people learn through film. I grew up watching, you know, Nova and PBS, um, but I've also seen people create communities. And this film, I think, and so many of the other films that are at festivals, um, like Hot Docs that are put up on amazing platforms like Netflix that can be global, have the ability to um, allow us to continue to create those conversations. And so my hope is that this film is something that um, can transcend just being a film. Um, I believe in art for art's sake, and I also believe with Exposure Labs that we're trying to create impact with this film. Um, and so my hope is that if people have differing perspectives, um, that they'll come and watch this film and they'll give it its fair shake. Uh, and that 
afterwards that we can continue that conversation and that dialogue. Um, Because I do think that there's something really special about this time, um, the way that technology is, the way that social media is, um, that we've become kind of uh, bifurcated in our society. And I think um, this allows an opportunity to create a safe space to, you know, allow different perspectives to come to the table or come to the surface, if you will. Uh, and and hopefully we can come together because I think um, as, a, as a group, we can make a wave of change. Ooh, wave <laughs> of change. <laughs> Jeff. Um, I, I don't know uh, what the question would be for my thoughts right now, but... Um, I feel like, um, I don't know, oftentimes I can feel down and depressed about this. I think a lot of our team can feel that way. Um, and when you sort of think through uh, all the science and all the projections, it's it's not, you know, uplifting by any means. But um, but I am very optimistic, and we were talking about it earlier, but I'm, I'm very confident that we're going to address this in the future. Um moving forward just because uh the, the science will prevail like the science is there the science that you said this once during a q a like science has a perfect track record <laughs> like, yeah it's a it's a great concept right there because science is going it always will evolve it's always going to um, improve upon itself um but we know what the future is going to look like right now and we know how to address it and we know how to solve it and so it's just a matter of getting those stories out there getting that message out there and and everybody working together collectively to help help our society go through this shift that we need to go through. So from that perspective, I do think of it as inev- inevitable. It, we will go through this. We will solve it. Uh, it's just a matter of how soon, uh, how soon or later that happens. And how pretty or ugly yeah. it, it, it turns out right. to be. Uh, Mark, you want to add anything? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm imagining this question coming from maybe somebody out there that's, that's say, like a musician or or like another artist who are, who is asking like I'm not an activist I'm not you know someone who can go up and 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 march in in rallies and things like that what can I do um and that um from my perspective I I also did some music for the film and even that is like a a powerful tool that you can use to amplify uh, a message and I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for being a part of this film because it was just my my small contribution amongst hundreds of other people um, to help amplify that that message, so I, I'd say like to anybody who's questioning like what what they can do is just seeing little tiny things that they can do in their life to to maybe make a little difference. If you're if you're a lawyer, maybe help out a uh, climate activist. Maybe you know help out a, a another uh, climate change movie. Um, you know and 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 things like that. So um, that yeah, that's how I. That's I love how, how you you used like the music man uses the word amplify. <laughs> uh, is there any anybody that you guys want to say a, a special thank you to? I no, mean, I noticed that you have, goodness, we have like a, a. It was a huge list on on your IMDb. Yeah. It's like who participated. I don't, we like should count the number of things. actual thank names. You. It's special hundreds things. of people. Yeah. Our executive producers, our supporters. We've like we have we have such a huge huge team of people that believed in us from the beginning that saw the potential that that saw the need and the importance uh, we I can't even start going into specific names unless that's do you want to yeah our executive producers and our associate producers I think really believed in us and I think that those are some very very special people that made this possible and I also think there's some organizations like the Sundance Institute and um, the good pitch and Brit doc that allowed platform that that bring audiences um, to films 
and allow a, a platform for filmmakers to have a voice. Um, and I think, you know, th there's something to be said about the community here at Hot Docs and, and a number of the other film festivals that bring together such an amazing group of people to focus on these films. Um, so we're just so grateful to be here. We're so grateful for the team um, and all of the people that helped make this film possible. And also just to the, the scientists who are the unsung heroes in all of this and that you know, whether, whether it's the glaciologists that we met with Chasing Ice or the coral reef um, biologists on this project, um, these are people who just, are, they're doing this research because of their love for the subject matter. They weren't trying to be climate activists when they started their careers 30 or 40 years ago. They just fell in love with glaciers or fell in love with corals or the ocean. And they've been these unsung heroes that have been studying this year after year after year. And they saw where the science was going and they've been making predictions and they've been telling the world what they think is going to happen. And unfortunately those things are happening and, and we're here solely because they know what's up. They've been, they're experts and they, they've been seeing this stuff happen. Um, in some ways, the fact that this film exists is a testament to the scientific process in that they made really good predictions. If you can predict something, that's a good indicator that the science is right. And they told us, go to these spots because you're going to see these things happen at this spot in the next couple weeks. And that is like the essence of the scientific process. So it's, I don't know, it, it's something where science often gets overlooked um, and there's a lot of long hours and um, laborious time put in by a huge network of people, but um, it's, it's, it works. It's also beautifully procedural. Yeah. Uh, thank you for cool. sharing their story. Um, thank mm -hmm. you for doing what you do. Thank you for your dedication. Uh, thank you for your, your love of coral. Mm -hmm. and, and, and getting kids excited about coral. Thank you for, yeah. for the music. Um, thank you for the story. I very much enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed uh, meeting each of you today. Likewise. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Cool. Yep. Oh shit, I didn't turn your mic on. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do it all again. Sweet. That was awesome. Great combo. That was my conversation with the award-winning crew and cast behind the Netflix original documentary, Chasing Coral. You can find out more about Chasing Coral via links in our show notes and by simply searching Chasing Coral. They're on Netflix and all over the internet uh, on all of the social media platforms at Chasing Coral. You can subscribe to 2084 on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and please do us a favor and leave us a review while you're there. This episode was recorded by yours truly and edited by Koji Nagata and myself as well. Music, as always, was provided by Johnny of Wolf Saga. Lastly, big thank you to our patrons. You all are the best. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please, please, please check out our Indiegogo campaign because the only way we can bring these products into the world, the only way we can make truly sustainable goods is if you're ready to buy them. I thank you for listening. Click subscribe. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. I also fully intend to release a completely uncut version of this podcast. For now, I leave you with a track from Wolf Saga. Thanks, Johnny.
Good night. 